Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Camp, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf Online, sunburymotors.com, Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, all with great warranties. Start 2024 with a new vehicle. Great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. And a... Terrific service department that backs it up. Routine, difficult to handle it all. At Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf Online, sunburymotors.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it may be the holidays, but we still have Tuesdays with Neil. Sir, welcome. As always, my pleasure to be here. Happy holidays to you guys as well. Well, um, when they're singing Mason the Red-Nosed Reindeer, <laughs> he must have done something right. Uh, the one time that he did, yes. <clears throat> yeah. This is one bizarre season, isn't it? I mean, this is this the whole thing's bizarre. In In comparison to the last couple of years, uh, we really should view it as kind of par for the course. I mean, it's, it's almost like it, it, it's almost like a running show now. Um, what are they going to do for a fourth season? Well, let's jump between quarterbacks, and we'll make the quarterback that is literally only on the roster because the NFL expanded the rule to allow an emergency quarterback, and we'll make him perform the best of anybody this season and earn a second start. Yeah. Um, it's not even so much surprising at this point, but at a 10,000-foot level, um, I don't know if anything that we have talked about with this team is any less true, and I don't know that we aren't overlooking uh, the success that they have had. Maybe, and this is crazy, but maybe they just don't know how to pick a quarterback (laughs) And that's really kind of the root of all of this. Maybe this is something that was covered up with outstanding to decent play from Ben Roethlisberger, even even at the end. Um, we've seen positive games from Mason Rudolph before. We've seen bad games from Mason Rudolph. We've seen positive games from, from Kenny Pickett. Seen bad games. Mitch Trubisky, I think there was some decent play in there. It stretches at times. He was, mm-hmm. he was you know, towing on mediocre there. Either way, it's obvious that Trubisky is done. Uh, giving Rudolph a second start uh, and announcing it um, this early in the week strongly suggests that uh, they were as impressed with his performance as uh, you know analysts and fans were. They got stuff done. Uh, they made plays, which is not really something that they've done. In, in my mind, it, it was really you had to. Um, what that means for Pickett, not entirely sure, but... We shouldn't be surprised at a 10,000-foot level that the season might wrap up with the most mild 
quarterback controversy in the NFL. I, I, I think it might end up with that as well. You know, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, not to suggest that I have full confidence that Rudolph can go into Seattle uh, facing a very similar Seahawks team to the Steelers and put up the same type of performance he did because, in, in fairness, Cincinnati did not play a good game. Defensively, they were a mess. That was really, really bad. Um, I don't know if he's going to do the same thing, but if he pulls out a win, um, you know, the playoffs are going to be on the line. That next week with Baltimore looks like they're all but uh, clinching the, the, the top seed in the playoffs. So it, it might be a must-win game for Pittsburgh. It might not be uh, incredibly important for Baltimore, but they're probably going to play their guys. So uh, you might need to put your best out there and, and – uh, and let it rip but as we've seen everything can change and it, it probably will between now and this time next week yeah. well let's uh, I want to get to quarterbacks in two different veins I'll get to Lamar Jackson in a moment but the Patriots and the Steelers are two teams that defied the NFL system by being relevant at or near the top of their division or in the conference for 15 to 20 years that's not how the NFL is supposed to work it also is no coincidence that Brady and Roethlisberger were there for a long time. The Steelers have not had to evaluate a quarterback for a draft in almost 20 years. Is this, a, you know, is this part of the problem? The same thing with the Patriots. The Patriots did not have to evaluate a quarterback for the draft for 20 years. What kind of problem is that when it's a process that you're not really used to every five to seven years? You know, there there are two things in there that I think is important. Um, we cannot say, based on their comments, that they are very confident with the quarterbacks that they've brought in, um, four of them, who have played. They're very confident in them. It, maybe they're given the song and dance, which is to say, yes, they, they are, but we can't go off much beyond what they're telling us and beyond what we see. If they're confident in those quarterbacks, they're missing the evaluation piece of it. But, and this is what is ultimately, um, to me, what it really comes down to, that operates under the assumption that you automatically missed out on a really good quarterback at some point. And while, in a literal sense, when there's a great quarterback available in round five who lights the league up, yes, you, you missed out on a quarterback. But by and large, it, it just isn't – to act as if there's an infinite supply of high-level quarterbacks is just simply not true, and we all know that. Um, Kevin Colbert's comments that we saw Mason Rudolph as a first-round pick, everybody wants to jump all over that. It's really interesting to me because they didn't take him in the first round or the second round. Okay, they had chances to take Mason Rudolph, this first-round prospect, but they didn't take him. So, how much do you believe that that's how they felt of him? Um, looking around the league, you see the level of play uh, at the quarterback position this year, probably more than any, because it seems like there's a backup playing in every game now. You're not finding many of them who are capable of being outstanding for most of your 17 games. Um, I thought Patrick Mahomes played pretty well uh, yesterday. I thought he played very poorly in a lot of situations. And I saw 
Lamar Jackson played maybe the best game he's ever played. Mm-hmm. And I've seen Lamar Jackson not play well a couple times this season. Yep, that's right. Jackson's probably the MVP of the league. Um, it just I, I think the level, the, the standard that was set by Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, go on and on, we had what I think we're going to see is a, a golden era of quarterbacks. And there just aren't those quarterbacks right now. I don't think that they are good enough to put a team on their back and, and, and run for as long as they've ha- as, as uh, the season takes them, which is what we're used to. You know, um, We're not 100% sold on Baltimore up and down, although they, mm-hmm. they played very well last night. Um, yep. I, I definitely would see them as a favorite. But would it be shocking if, say, Buffalo beat them? Now, the darling quarterback used to be Josh Allen. He didn't right. keep it going. They're having to fight from the outside in. These are quarterbacks that, in, in Allen's case, required both extra capital to move up and get and a bad season to get by the Bills. The Chiefs had a good season. They gave up a boatload of capital to move up to get Mahomes, incidentally, right. with Buffalo. Um, Jackson was taken 32nd overall. The Ravens took somebody else in the first round before they traded back to get Jackson. So there are multiple ways to do this, but it's not what you have to give up. It's the quarterback. Because we've seen, I I think it's, I don't have it in front of me, but it's really interesting that the complete lack of success with the second overall pick being used on a quarterback and the amount of capital that's being given up. Teams drafting second and taking a quarterback uh, isn't all that common. Certainly not in comparison to the amount of number two overall picks that are being made on quarterback. Teams are trading up to that spot to get a guy, and they're not doing particularly well overall. It, it's, it's really hard to be a successful quarterback. and It takes more than just where you are in the draft. It takes more than just who you can sign in free agency. Uh, there, there's just a ton of things that go into it, and all of those things need to be firing at once. And this is something I would have said um, about Philadelphia, but what's happened to them? <laughs> you know, right. I, I, I just think... Tom Brady, to some degree, I think is, is correct. I think it's not as disciplined a game as it was five, ten years ago. Yep. I don't, it, it's not a question of talent. I think that the teams just aren't as good. They can win games, but they're flawed. Who's the best team in the NFL right now? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's hard to make that determination. And really, that's what should happen in the NFL, in, in the evolution of the NFL. They want it to be parity-driven. They want uh, an equal footing, more or less. You know, they, they want 26 of 32 teams to be relatively competitive amongst each other, and they are. It's just we're used to seeing the dominant team put up huge numbers and, and just boat race somebody uh, on, on a week-to-week basis, and that just doesn't happen. To some degree, that's because I don't feel the quarterback talent is as high, and to some degree... Uh, it, it's it's a lack of that quarterback um, level rising the way that it has in the recent past, and you know, it, teams have built themselves to be very quarterback heavy, and they don't have a good quarterback, so they're they're not doing much. Um, I I almost feel like the Steelers are the perfect example of this because they, they've won eight games for each of the last seventeen seasons, but the last five have been with below standard quarterback play. They found a way to win games mm-hmm. despite that. Now, they haven't had any other success, and maybe that's because of the quarterback. In fact, I'd argue that it is. Right. But they're not um, 
overall, their, their teams are just not as good uh, as we've seen the top teams of the past be. And I think people are, are really starting to feel that, even if they're not being able to put it into those words. A point I've made before, and probably going back a year I made before, but it's worth revisiting. When the Ravens beat the 49ers, the Ravens went to 19-1 and against NFC teams with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. The one loss was to the Giants a year ago at MetLife, and the Giants were a playoff team that advanced last year. That was the play where the game where Barkley at the end did the hook slide at the one-yard line to run the clock out. And part of this, at least my theory is, Neil, the reason that AFC North teams have success against the Ravens is they're used to seeing how Jackson plays the game. He's still greatly skilled, but they're used to seeing how he plays it. They know how to defend it. When you only see it once every four years, you struggle with it. And that, I think that's why they're 19 and 1 against the NFC. They don't see him that often. Yeah, I mean, it, it, whatever the real answer of that is, there's absolutely no way that's not a, a very strong factor. Um, I, I would say this the AFC North teams aren't blinking anymore. I remember yeah. when, when Jackson, his last MVP year, um, there was a play in which I, I want to say this was against the Jets. Initially, I thought it was the Giants, but I remember that hook slide game. That wasn't the one I'm thinking of. I think it was against the Jets, but Jackson's going to the sideline. He's running down the sideline, and a Jet safety totally, totally held up. And almost like he put out his arms to, like, brace him. Like, Lamar, I I can't touch you. I don't want to touch you. I'm, I'm so in awe of you. And Lamar just blew through his arms and went for another, like, 12 yards. Right. Guys didn't hit him. They were lining up in droves to get his jersey after the game. It's like yep. this is kind of embarrassing, you guys. He's 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 a great player. In my opinion, he's a Hall of Fame player. He's not a deity. You know, you're you're there to hit him. You need to to you know compete to help your team win the games. One team I know for certain has not approached him like that has been the Steelers. That's and right. look at the success that they've had. And Baltimore's been the better team for the last three years. Yep. Baltimore can't beat him. Um, I, I do think there is a certain level of awe, and the hype comes with it. You know, people were beside themselves last night. Um, no, I, that, with, with I saw Jackson the same play. thing, Neil. He'd get near the sideline against the 49ers. They all backed off, and then they pat him on the helmet. All the, it's like, exactly. what are we doing? Exactly. Here? They they want to get in with with the, the extreme superstar. You know, and it, it, it's. You can't play him like that for obvious reasons because what I, I've said this a lot in the past. One of the, the genius things that the Ravens did, um, and it was under Greg Roman initially, and they, they're, they're continuing it under Todd Monka now, but it, they taught Lamar how to work angles, and they really got it into his head to live for another down. When you need to go down, go down. That's your job. And yep. they, they they ran a lot of stuff that first year. They ran a lot of stuff toward the sideline. They 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 flowed him toward the sideline, and gave him easy exits. You know the big plays he made, he'd bust through a gap and cut back and, and make somebody look silly and and go for sixty yards. But by and large, he chipped away at you. He became such a weapon because you could give him one read and he can escape. And they're not going to keep up with him step for step. But he didn't try for more. So he didn't turn the ball over as right. much as, he, as as the average running quarterback 
uh, who carries as much, uh, carries at that level does, he'd get out of bounds. He didn't get tackled very often. Right. Last night, that was the big thing for me. It was back to that. He was doing the same types of stuff. San Francisco either missed him or never got a clean hit on him. And right. a lot of it, I just, I've always wondered how much of this is star power on the field. They're yeah. afraid to hit him. And I get that there are penalties involved, but he's a runner in the open field. If he's not going down, I don't understand why you're holding up so much. You know, if there is one guy in the league you know is going to run the ball, it's him. So it, it, I, it wouldn't surprise me if that's a part of it, just the, the awe that he brings. And he's a historical player. There's no doubt about that. Right. Um, but if, but if, but if Brock Purdy's going to the sideline, they're going to nail him. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. They don't have any respect for Todd, for, for Brock Purdy at all. Um, and the Ravens didn't last night and gave him, you know, what I would imagine will be the worst game of his career, regardless of how his career ends. He can't do a lot worse than, than what he did last night. Uh, and Jackson was excellent. You know, you, when you have a player that that can dominate the game to that level, um, and then. Put a, a, a fantastic defense on top of it. This is usually where we get into to this mess. Um, the MVP, sure, is Lamar Jackson, but let's not discount how good Baltimore's defense is in what should be a, a more right. high-level offensive game in, in the NFL. They are flat-out destroying teams defensively. It's really, really hard to move the ball on them. And they're not like a, a, a power-stacked unit. They've got a lot of very good players. Uh, but they're all really good, and they're deep, and they're being coached up very well. Uh, Lamar is going to get the headlines, and rightfully so. But man, that that defense is tough. I don't know how people are going to score on them, and and maybe that's really the challenge that they face. But Lamar can play with a lot more freedom um, and and control the ball, control the clock. He made good decisions last night. Didn't hit every throw, but made good decisions. And you know, I, I don't think he even really put all that much effort in. It just steamrolled the team that. I, I don't know what was wrong with San Francisco's defense last night. Uh, just a, a, a terrible game from them, and a lot of it, in my opinion, is just that's what Jackson can do to you uh, yeah. if you're not able to contain him. And then the other part too is that you know the secondary's played well for Baltimore. They can rush the passer, but Smith and Queen, those two linebackers, right? In a world where it seems like linebackers are de-emphasized. Those two wreak havoc all over the field, and everybody would like to have them just like everybody would like to have the combination of Water and Greenlaw. Yeah, when you have to when you have to pay for that, it's a different story, and you have to have a defense that needs yeah. to emphasize them on three downs, and that's what they do. They don't the, the Ravens don't play dime very often. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say this: what helps with all of that is the value you get in Kyle Hamilton. I think Kyle Hamilton's the he's best player on that defense. Really, he's, good. he's everywhere. Uh, very smart player. They can use him at, at two, three levels even. Mm-hmm. Um, it's similar to what the Steelers do with, with Minka Fitzpatrick. But Hamilton's a more physical player. Um, he, he's getting to the ball at a, at a high rate. And you're seeing you know, the opportunistic um, value of being at the right place at the right time. And the, the value of that for that defense is huge. But having that middle solidified, you know, two linebackers with a safety behind it, it forces everything into certain areas, and everybody else knows where that's going. Then uh, it, it's it's a built-in cheat code. You know that you, you can suffocate a team um, with a lot more success. Now, I thought San Francisco would be kind of an antidote to that, but uh, they got enough pressure on Purdy that they couldn't exploit the flats where they don't really have the athletes to keep up with a guy in the short space like like McCaffrey uh, mm-hmm. and, and use Kittle to get down the seam. 
to occupy where their strength is. Um, they, I don't think they really got out of the garage. Uh, they got just destroyed in the second half. That didn't help. But it wasn't a great game from San Francisco overall. But Baltimore forces opponents into those kinds of games. And that's, that's why you see them you know, whipping the better teams in the game when they play. And if they've got what Miami uh, next week, um, I feel like that game's going to be 50 to three, and I'm not sure which team it's going to be, but one of them is going to figure the other one out, and it's going to be a, a, a pretty one-sided game. Yeah, the last time I saw a quarterback get the kick glove treatment of respect from a defense was when Michael Vick was at Virginia Tech. He's running down the sideline against West Virginia. And, of course, what's the one thing that you can't do? You can't hit him out of bounds, right? So West Virginia, he gets near the sideline, acts like he's going out, and they backed off because they didn't want a penalty. And then, boom, he took off, got 25 yards more. I feel like I've seen this on a pro level with with Jackson. It's like, hey, that's Lamar. Like, just make sure we didn't – I don't want to be the guy that hurts him. Okay, If you have to hold up to a, 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 a large degree, and yes, you do, but he's out of the pocket. If he's running square down the field, you're hitting him like you would. You have to, to, to you know, kind of, in a way, brace for his slide, but it's not as if it's impossible if you're looking at him. You know, when you put your head down and ram it into his chest, right. yeah, you're, you're going to get stuck with that. If he's going to the sideline, yes, but you can, you know, shield the escape route toward the sideline and force him to go out of bounds without having to hit him out of bounds. Yep. That's what they're coaching the players to do. They seem to forget that in, in the heat of the battle, though, and that's where the problem mm-hmm. lies. It, compound that with the fact that this is Lamar. You know, I've got to, you know, I, I need to pay homage to, you know, one yes. of the most uh, electric players ever to set foot on the field, which mm-hmm. is what I thought of when I saw Michael Vick play. And going back to that, I think you're exactly right. The Virginia Tech stuff, uh, they did not see a guy like him. <laughs> you know, no. there was nobody like Vic. And you would know this better than me, but his memory serves me. It's not even like Virginia Tech was all that good. That's no. how dominant Michael Vic was at yeah. that level. That's right. Um, to, to, to see that now is kind of funny in a way because this is the generation that, that came out um, with Vic at, at his you know, height when they're reaching, you know, eight, nine years old, whatever it was, Vic is, is dominant. They're getting a lot of uh, the evolution of the game uh, from him. And Jackson is a better version of that. He's a better runner. He's a better passer. Um, you, it, with more mobile quarterbacks, certainly at the college level, but plenty of them in, in the NFL as well, you should be more used to that is all I'm really saying. You know, don't pick up penalties, but I don't know how many guys you even, even hit Jackson, you know, I, I really don't think he. It doesn't feel like he gets tackled very often. He gets sacked, yeah. but when he's in the open field, he knows exactly when to go down. Mm-hmm. He knows when to get out of bounds. Yep. So you're you're playing up to the point where he has to make one of those decisions. And I think the hesitance uh, that they display is is shown right before he's going to make that decision. Lamar has that that kind of last second sense where when to go down, when to get out of bounds. And he's making the defenders make that decision uh, of when he's going to do it. And a lot of them don't. Well, Happy New Year. Happy uh, New Year to you guys as well. We will talk uh, next Tuesday. Definitely. Thanks for having me. 
Neil Kuwan joining us on the show. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Back to the Steve Jones Show here on WKOK News Radio 1070. This is uh, Todd Hummel here right now. Uh, we just got this done discussing Neil with Neil Kulong, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and, and the Baltimore Ravens. Actually, if uh, you got a chance to listen to that game last night or watch that game last night, it was quite an impressive performance by the Baltimore Ravens and uh, Lamar Jackson. Uh, Spent a little time talking about the Eagles earlier on and and the Peach Bowl. Uh, you know, it, it's it was interesting to me last night watching. I did get a chance. I think you heard me mention I didn't see much of the Eagles game, but I get, did get a chance to watch most of the the Ravens and the 49ers last night. And you know, you know, I was one of the people that ready ready to crown the 49ers as, as the favorite. You know, what, well, that's a team that's when they're healthy is one of the top teams in in the NFL. And, but then once you think about it, you know, the Ravens have now beaten the 49ers. Uh, they blew out the Seahawks, I believe, at home when the Seahawks were playing well. Uh, they've beaten the Lions. Uh, you know, and there's a lot of talk about, you know, Steve and Neil talked a lot about, yeah. you know, yeah. what Lamar did. But you got you to gotta really like what the, uh, the defense did last yeah. night against Brock Purdy. Uh, they were able to get pressure on him. And I, and I think Brock – I don't want to make this great. sound like an insult. Well, don't no no. This is a good show to insult things. Go ahead. I don't I don't want to make this sound like an insult, but uh, you know the the uh, Brock Purdy is one of those guys. It seems like that plays much better from ahead than that he does from behind. And oh, and no, that's true. And, uh, no, I agree. I agree with you on that. This is not a fourth quarter down ten guy. I agree with you on that. That I think that's that's good analysis. And, and it's one of those. It's also one of those things where I don't think. That that's the kind of offense that is can is prepared to make those comebacks either with the, you know they don't throw the ball deep a lot. It's a lot of short passes and letting Debo mm-hmm. and some of those other guys make moves. Right, a lot of that stuff is behind the line of scrimmage. Okay, it's good play calling by Kyle Shanahan. I think he understands the limits of his quarterback. When he is on, he has a great ability to drop the ball over the linebacker and make a play. When he's off and misses by six inches, that ball's picked off. Uh, and I'll, I'll say this. The single best throw I saw yesterday was the throw that Jalen Hurts made to the sideline, I think to A.J. Brown. And it was on a third and 20, third and 18. 
And Simmons, whom the Giants picked up from Arizona, you cannot ask a guy who's playing essentially a linebacking spot to that was a great drop by a linebacker where he dropped into a spot where Hertz had to throw it over him and the depth of the drop was great the quarterback was just better on that play it was just that that was a phenomenal throw because the linebacker on the play can't play it any better than he did can't perfect depth of a drop where a quarterback has to throw over him and guess what the quarterback hurts his that's the best single throw I saw yesterday it was tremendous um now, in terms of like bad throws, well, we saw a whole bunch of them <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yesterday from everybody. By the way, Bowling Green up seven six, minute to go, first quarter over Minnesota. Connor Baselick, the former Indiana quarterback, threw a forty six yard touchdown pass in the game. Minnesota scored a touchdown and decided to go for two points, utilizing their kicker. I know you're shocked. It didn't work. <laughs> but look, it's a bowl game. You throw a couple of extra plays in. You get to practice it. Uh, this goes back to um, what they did was they shifted. Okay? So now they move the entire offensive line over to one side. Okay? The ball is snapped. And the kicker tries to run it himself. And... Missed by six inches of getting in. Now, what they wanted to do was they wanted to throw it to the guy who snapped the ball. Right? Okay. You can only throw a forward pass to anybody wearing zero to 49 and 80 to 99. Well, 87 snapped it, which meant he was eligible because he wasn't covered up by the other people. Right? So the concept's great. So the same play Penn State tried to run against Michigan with Tyler Warren. All right? And, yeah, hey, look, years ago, I'll tell you a story. Um, Penn State, uh, it was the first time Rip Engel had ever coached a bowl game in his career. Penn State had last gone to the 48 Cotton Bowl, 47 season. Wally Triplett, Steve Suey, and those guys played to a 13-13 tie with Doak Walker and SMU. Well, Penn State had not gone to a bowl game between that point and the 59 Liberty Bowl. And Penn State was going to play Alabama, Bear Bryant. So Rip Engel called Bobby Dodd, Georgia Tech. You know, old friends, he says, hey, look, he says, you guys go to bowl games all the time. He says, so we've got so much time in between the end of the regular season and this bowl game, which, by the way, the Liberty Bowl was played in Philadelphia at old JFK Stadium, which back then I think was just called Memorial Stadium. JFK wasn't even president yet, but it was called Memorial Stadium. And so they're going to play Alabama there in the Liberty Bowl in Philadelphia. And so what Bobby Dodd told me, he says, look, put in a play that's completely different than anything that you've had all season. That way they have to practice it and concentrate on it. Okay, great. Appreciate that. So the play that Rip decides to put in for Penn State is a fake field goal with Galen Hall as the holder. 
So they run it, they get good at it, they run it, they get good at it, they're fine. And they finally play the game. The game ends up being 7 nothing. Penn State beats Bear Bryant in Alabama. 7 nothing. The winning touchdown was a fake field goal from Galen Hall to Roger Kaufman, and Penn State won the game. So, yeah, you put in plays in your bowl practices just to make it fun, juicy, and exciting for everybody, which is what P.J. Fleck was doing. It just didn't work. He didn't get in. But it's still fun. I see more fun plays in bowl games than I do during the regular season because people are just trying stuff, which is fine. I think that's great. They're just trying stuff. I mean, with all the opt-outs, some of these teams are down to their third-string quarterback and, you know, third-string linemen. You kind of, you also kind of just have to figure out ways to move the ball at this point, too. Well, most of the teams in these games that are being played this week, they don't have opt-outs. I mean, well... They have you transfer have got, portal, though. Right. And and Calic Manis, for example, the starting quarterback for Minnesota, is not playing because he he's in the transfer portal, to your point. Um, Florida State will have to go with the freshman third-string quarterback because Rodemaker put his name in the transfer portal. He's out. He, and people are like, well, gee, he would have a chance because Tra- you know, Jordan Travis is moving on to the NFL, blah, blah, blah. They're bringing in Cam Ward and interviewing him to transfer. When they're sitting there and they're interviewing for your job that you think you should have, maybe you should leave. And that that's that's so he's transferring out. Now as for the Florida State situation. <laughs> I can't see Florida State for obvious reasons. Staying in the ACC. The question is going to be how much longer. All right. Now, when it comes to um, when it comes to the legal side, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm a lawyer. I'm barely pretending I'm a sportscaster. <laughs> okay. But remember that Florida State's administration not only signed this grant of rights document once, they've actually signed this grant of rights document twice. So from a legal standpoint, from a legal standpoint, I I sit there and I, I I don't see where Florida State has any ground to stand on. They signed it once. Oh, and by the way, they signed it again. They've signed it twice. Now, as for them staying, if you're the ACC, do you want this disgruntled member sitting there disparaging you the you know, every three or four days? No, but I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to sit there and negotiate some sweetheart deal for him either. Oh, I'd negotiate a deal. 
right? Yeah, I'd negotiate a deal. But you can't you can't sit there and if you're the ACC you can't sit, sit there and negotiate a deal that doesn't benefit the other members because you're losing somebody that is critical to your next TV contract anyway. And by the way, uh, there's, uh, they're doing... Uh, uh, James Franklin met with the media today. He was asked about Kalen King practicing today, so... You know, again, this and James is right about this. Look, they have done a great the reason. Penn State has had relatively; they only have one year where they had a rash of opt-outs, and that was the Outback Bowl year against Arkansas. Okay, but Penn State has done a great job of how they utilize their veteran personnel that want to go pro. Now, Kalen has not indicated he's going pro. Okay, And he said today, he said, there are different times in college football. These are different times in college football, and we've really worked hard to create a relationship with our players that there can be open and honest dialogue. I've tried to create an environment where there's no reason to opt out. There's a way to do this where the player, family, agents, whoever, everybody's comfortable with the plan. To be able to finish the season with your teammates is important, but I also understand the challenge of it. Kalen was great. Kalen's parents were great. Came up with a plan. Everybody's comfortable with it. So, Kalen King is at practice, which he has been anyway. Okay, it's not like I'm not revealing something I didn't already know. But you know, at some point, you know, I've got to take you know. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, so I've got to keep it that way. Todd understands that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that there are some things that everybody sees at those practices. Even I, I always assumed, even on those Wednesdays when the when they go, when the reporters go, there's things they're not allowed to talk about either. Um, no, they can talk about anything they see. No, they can talk about anything they see, but when they video something, it has to be within tighter quarters. In other words, you can't do a wide shot video of what's going on because they don't want the wide shot video out there for opponents to look at. You right? Yeah, that makes sense. So there are video parameters, but in terms of what they see, say I'm at practice and Kevin Hur's playing corner and suddenly Kevin Kevin pulls up lame and is grabbing his hamstring. Okay. Well, if it, I'm standing there and it happens. Right, and I'm a reporter. I'm not. I'm not the play-by-play announcer. I'm just a reporter who's getting access for 15 minutes of the practice. And this happens in the 15 minutes. I'm going to report it. I'm there. I'm allowed to report it. Now, in terms of taking a wide-angle video of like a play or something, can't do that. That's because they don't want the wide-angle video out there for opponents to see and take a look at. That So that's the difference. And I think they, they get 15 minutes today, 15 tomorrow. Not sure if they get any time on Thursday or Friday they don't get any. 
Um, so. So there you go. I mean, that's you know, I thought that was like the the great answer that just explains all this. And I've talked to James about this before because um, obviously I've been there with him since day one. And it, it all started with how they how they worked with Barkley. Barkley, now the ninety two yard run in the Fiesta Bowl. Okay, they're working it out where Sanders is going to play. Sanders is going to play. He's going to play, and Sanders is playing in the game. But Barkley's getting, you know, a couple of series here, series there, the whole thing. Well, this was a series where Sanders is supposed to be in. And Barkley goes running out there. They're like, well, what are you doing? He goes, no, no, I want to play. They said, well, what do I No, I want to play. He tells Franklin, I want to play. Like, okay. So they put him out there. They pitch the ball to him. He goes 92 yards for a touchdown. <laughs> it's like, okay. Because he wants to play. <laughs> All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back more in a moment. Great to have you with us today on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. See the suit moonwalk to this. Or to Steely Dan? (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, no. He'll moonwalk to anything. Wow. That's post Christmas party though. Look, it, to him, every day's a party. You know that. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why it took you so long to come back. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness gracious! Now, now we got to work hard to make the show more fun for you. <laughs> I'm having fun. It's. Hey, once I get everything down, I'll be fine. Well, yeah, the, the problem with you is is quite simple. You're the one that has to push all the buttons, the dials, and everything to make the stinking thing work. All I have to do is sit there and go, are we good? Yep. Are <laughs> <laughs> we good? Start talking, Steve. Good. Well, that that's my role at my other job. So now they, now they might know that I know how to do this. I might have to talk and, and do that, too, so for all my podcasts. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Oh boy! Well, coming up uh, Saturday, by the excuse me, on Friday, abbreviated uh, show, just like we did last Friday with Bucknell Merrimack. It's going to be Penn State Rider Joe Putnam's going to fill in for me on Friday on the game. Uh, he'll work with Dick Girardi, uh, so we'll have a full show tomorrow, full show on Thursday, abbreviated show on Friday. Then the game is Saturday with uh, Penn State taking on. Uh, Ole Miss at noon. Uh, Jack Ham, Brian Tripp, Roger Corey, Bob Taylor, and I on beginning at ten thirty Saturday morning. Any final thoughts on that? On the game coming up? I, I think that ought to be. I'm I'm actually really looking forward to it. I think they're both evenly matched. I I think it should be a real good football game. Yeah. No, I looking forward to it as well. Uh, anxious to get down there and. You know, even though I've gone to geez, I've gone to a bunch of practices so far here, but I'm anxious to get down there and see the practices down there. And tomorrow's practice is in the Dome. Uh, all the times I've been to Atlanta, I haven't been there in a while. And because I haven't been there in a while, this place has been up for, what, six years now, seven years? I've never seen it. 
I'm not. Re- I'm not sure. I realized it was a new Georgia Dome. Yeah, the, I mean the old Georgia Dome. I did an NCAA tournament game in, mm-hmm. uh, and then I've done games in the Hawks Arena. I've done. Ga- I've done, I think, three games up at Georgia Tech, uh, and a couple games in the Hawks Arena. But I've never in, in the Georgia Dome. I've never seen this place. 